Now, of course, our compost bins are somewhere that is producing us this amazing product that we're going to use to nourish our plants and our soil. But it's also serving another function, and that is to get rid of some unsavoury waste that we otherwise would have no use for. Hello. And welcome to the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com and I'm here to talk about all things self-sufficiency. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 84 of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. We have been really busy over the last week or so. I started a daily video log on our YouTube channel about a week ago and it feels like it's actually helped me to get a lot more things done because it's just making me more aware of my daily activities and more aware of what I'm achieving every day and that's been really useful it's been really helpful because it's allowed me to ensure that I am being productive so I'm far less likely to just take a day off from you know doing the useful things that give us progress here so being able to do that has been a bit of a catalyst really for getting a lot of things done so thank you for being my outlet and refocusing my energies and attentions where they need to be um if it wasn't for you guys then i wouldn't be doing it and if it wasn't for you guys i certainly wouldn't be thinking as deeply and thoroughly and self-awarely is that a word awarely I'm not sure it is, but I'm also quite sure you know what I mean and not quite as self-aware of of what I'm doing. And that's been a real boon. It's really helped me. So I just wanted to take the time to share my appreciation of you guys for allowing me this space, this creative space to to act in. It's, um, you know, just an absolute pleasure. It's a pleasure to be involved with this project that I feel like we're all involved in together. I really do. So thank you guys. I want to just quickly mention some fantastic interviews that we've got coming up. So next week on Wednesday, we have got an interview with some experts in fermentation. Now, fermentation is a great way of preserving produce, but it's also just a great way of expanding your repertoire in the kitchen. So if you're not sure about fermenting, if you're not sure about preserving things using brines and pickles and all that kind of thing then make sure you tune in on Wednesday because we're going to demystify a lot of that for you and it's a fun conversation as well so hopefully you will enjoy that one and the following week I'm going to be talking with a chap called Ivan who is a expert in solar and when I say an expert in solar he's the sort of expert that I really really was pleased to meet because he's not an electrician. He's not someone who's going to advise you to spend 
hundreds of pounds or thousands of pounds rather. He is an expert in starting small and in joining the dots to be able to create your own small solar systems that we can all find manageable. For me personally, I know that solar is something I've really struggled to get into because there's this kind of barrier to entry around understanding all the different components and how they fit together because you have your solar panels and then you have your inverters and your batteries and watts and all these different technical terms and I've really struggled despite the fact I I consider myself to be a reasonably intelligent human being and quite resourceful and willing and able to learn but for some reason I've really struggled to get my head around crossing the Rubicon if you like of solar wizardry and making it so that I understand it all fully but hopefully on Wednesday week you will be agreeing with me that this interview does exactly that and gives us all the tools we need to start producing our own small solar systems to run some of our devices so hopefully we will all be beneficiaries of that as well so that's some coming up stuff we've got in the pipeline but for today we are going to be addressing a question that was sent in now it's a question that was specifically not sent in for the ask me anything episode which is coming up for episode 100 so please don't forget to get your questions in for that but it was a question that was specifically designed to be answered on the show the regular show and it's not one that I really felt I could answer in a few minutes. It's about composting. And there really is, when I started thinking about it, certainly enough that I wanted to dedicate an entire show to it. So here was the question. Hey, Carl, this is Mike from Denmark, as you know me from the, the blacksmithing and the leatherworking uh podcasts that we did together uh got a quick question um well what can we actually put in our uh compost uh bins as here in denmark we're starting with a new uh rule that we have to get all of our kitchen scraps basically everything that is food wise uh into a special bag and all that kind of stuff so they can make biogas from it and i'm just wondering what can we save from our kitchen and put in our compost bin instead of giving it to the government so they can make gas or something. So thanks very much, and talk to you later. Hi-hi. Well, thanks for that, Mike. And regular listeners will recognize Mike from both our blacksmithing and leatherworking episodes, where he was my guest. He's also regular on our Facebook group, where he is admin there on my behalf. So... Let's get to your question then. I mean, your your main question was what can you compost from your kitchen? And we'll certainly address that. But there's far, far more that I want to go into at the same time because there's 
sort of two parts to this question, and that is, what can we compost? And then the second part would be, what should we compost? And the first one is quite simple to answer, and the second one is going to be more subjective, and it's going to be based on lots of things, but chiefly among them is how you're composting, what sort of space you have, and things like that. So let's get into the meat of it. It's really easy for you to get in touch with us. You can do it either by sending an email to selfsufficientcontact at gmail.com or by using the link in the show notes to send us a voice message. You can send us a voice message just using your phone. You could also reach out to us on Facebook where we have the Self Sufficient Hub group and the Self Sufficient Hub page. We're always thrilled to get your feedback, questions or suggestions for future topics on the show. So the basics of composting and the rules and what we can and can't put in our compost are actually really, really simple. Pretty much anything that is organic matter. And what I mean by that is anything that was once alive or was made from something that was alive can be composted. So that includes an awful lot of the things that go through our kitchen, almost everything, in fact, apart from some of the packaging but if it came from trees so that would include paper and cardboard then we can compost it if it came from animals so that would be obviously manure which <laughs> we wouldn't be processing in our kitchen but that is an animal product but if it came from animals and it goes through our kitchen so meat blood perhaps feathers eggshells bones all these things then you can compost it if it came from a plant if it is plant matter that is left over from the food process then we can compost it there's very very little that goes through our kitchen that we can't compost so a compost pile can be as simple as a pile of vegetables or it can be as complex as you want to make it there are some basic rules about composting that are going to basically affect how well our compost degrades and, and when I say how well I'm really talking about how long so we're going to talk about the different methods of composting kind of briefly we're not going to go into too much detail but we are going to mention them because whatever method of composting you're using is going to determine the time it's going to take for things to break down and also the things that may or may not be suitable for that compost whenever we're composting we want to try and get a mix of stuff that's high in nitrogen and stuff that's high in carbon. There's sort of two different types of things. People often refer to them as greens and browns. So your greens would be your, your wetter stuff that's high in nitrogen, things like grass clippings, and your browns would refer to things that are much higher in carbon. They could be things like pine needles or very, very small twigs and even leaves. These are all things that are quite high in carbon. And we want to try and mix them and have a 50-50 balance. Now, the things that are high in carbon, the browns, would also include things like paper. 
and the things that are high in greens would also include a lot of things like vegetable scraps. So we're creating these browns and greens in our kitchen as well as in our garden. I'm going to run through, towards the end of the episode, I'm going to run through a sort of list almost of things that you can compost and they're going to be browns and greens and I'm going to mention sort of which category they'd fall in as we go but it's really really beneficial to include if you can a 50-50 mix it's also really beneficial if you can sort of almost stagger them like you put a layer of browns layer of greens layer of browns layer of greens now these are all things that are helpful they're going to increase the rate at which things break down but one thing that we have working in our favor is that all this organic material all of it whatever we do is going to compost we can we could not stop it composting if we tried unless we kept it in a hermetically sealed environment it's going to compost so all we're trying to do really is give it the best environment within which to do what it wants to do anyway. It's much the same as a lot of my philosophies in the garden is our job is just to let everything do what it wants to do and keep out the way. And we're trying to just make little nudges in the right directions to increase the desired results by maybe speeding certain things up, slowing certain things down, but certainly the main thing we're trying to do is just allow nature to take its course. If we put an apple on our table and we left it there for long enough, it would compost, it would break down. In fact, if any of you have got or have ever had gravel drives or gravel paths, you'll notice that it doesn't matter how diligently you put weedproof membrane down underneath and make it so that there is literally nothing there but gravel for things to seed in over time you'll have weeds growing there well how's that happening and the answer is quite simple it's because things like leaves blow onto your gravel and they effectively compost and they break down and create tiny 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 little parcels of compost within your perfectly clean gravel and these are things that weed seeds can self-seed into so compost is something that's going to produce itself and it's going to produce itself from anything that is organic matter so with that in mind let's now talk about some of the different types of composting and how they might affect the different things that we can and can't put into our compost piles or, and when I say can or can't I really mean that we might choose not to there are certain things that we could compost but we might choose not to based on the environment within which that we are actually composting you can find self-sufficient hub content elsewhere online in lots of other places we have a YouTube channel we also have our website and now there's our Facebook page and Facebook group. Links to all of these you can find in the show notes. Come check us out. So the first thing to say is depending on your space, you might have room for several different 
areas to have compost in. Now, I'm extraordinarily lucky insofar as I can have multiple compost piles. So what that means is I don't need to give too much thought to how long things are going to take to break down to decide whether or not I can compost them. I can afford to have one really large pile for things that are going to break down very, very slowly. I can afford to have another pile for things that are going to break down much faster. I can have another pile of things that are already breaking down from last year and another pile of things that have already broken down from the year before. I'm very, very lucky in that regard. I can also have these piles be quite large. That's another huge advantage. The reason for the size being an advantage is because once you've got a really big compost pile over about a meter cubed, what's gonna happen is because of the size of it, those bacteria and all the things that are in that compost pile, the fungi and bacteria that are going to break it down, they're going to be working so fast and breaking things down so quickly that we're actually going to be achieving what's called hot composting. And what I mean by that is the temperature within the pile is going to be hot enough that it's going to kill a lot of things like weed seeds and bacteria that we might not want. So I'm able to compost a lot of weeds and things that I otherwise not, otherwise might not want to include in my compost pile because I'm hot composting. Now, this is where we get back to the choices and things you might not want to compost. Now, if you're unable to compost on a large scale like this, if you, all you have is a small compost bin, then chances are you're not going to achieve the temperatures required to classify it as hot composting. So what's going to happen is a lot of those weed seeds are actually going to survive. Now, this isn't the end of the world. It's not going to destroy your garden, but it is something you want to bear in mind. If you are someone who isn't happy to be very regularly weeding wherever you're going to be putting your compost then perhaps you want to avoid putting weeds in your compost pile. I know that we're not talking about stuff from the kitchen just yet but we are getting there. When it comes to things from the kitchen there's nothing really that I would consider to be dangerously high in pathogens and things like that that we're going to want that hot compost to kill off. So personally I'm quite comfortable to include all of our kitchen waste in a cold composting system so there's nothing yet that we need to rule out however if we are going to be using a smaller composting system that's perfectly fine it could even be beneficial for getting rid of some of those meatier things from the kitchen some of the things like meat and fish that you might otherwise struggle with and the reason for that is because if you're using a really large compost pile like I use we're not doing that in a enclosed space. We're not using a commercial compost bin, which generally speaking are designed to keep vermin out and things like that. So you've got an advantage if you're using a compost bin insofar as you're far less likely to be attracting pests if you're going to be throwing out things like fish into your compost pile where the smell is going to be an attractant for some of those things that you're not going to want to attract. There is one other thing to think about when we're talking about things like fish is the smell. Now, if you live in an urban area, then it might not be very social to be composting fish right outside people's doors. It really does depend on your own personal 
circumstances. So while I'm certainly not going to say these are things that you can't compost or you shouldn't compost, they're things that you can and should compost. There are other things to just bear in mind about how, where you live and your social implications of doing it and then also the implications of attracting pests and these are all things that are very subjective and you will have to come up with what's right and what's wrong and what works for you so with those caveats out the way regarding different types and systems of composting let's get on to just a list of all the things that you can include in your compost pile and you might be quite surprised by just how many there are you can now support the show directly just go to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub you can become a patron and set up to donate to the show from any amount Pledging as little as $3 a month makes a huge difference. If that's not your thing, you can also support the show by sharing it with people you know or posting about it on social media. We really appreciate all the help that you give us. It's people like you that make this show possible. So, as you'll remember that I said earlier, we've got greens and browns. And when we talk about greens and browns, we're not really talking about the colours, although that is how this terminology started, because originally people were thinking of grass clippings and things like that as greens, and then your twiggy stuff as your browns and your dropped leaves in the autumn as your browns. So... The browns are the stuff that's high in carbon and the greens are the stuff that's high in nitrogen. So I'm going to go through a little list now and tell you all the things that you can include. And obviously there's more, but uh, this should cover most. So cooked food, leftovers, when you're talking about things like pasta and rice, these can both be included and these would both qualify as greens. These are actually high in nitrogen. Then things like the crumbs and just general sweepings from your countertop and even your floors. So when you're emptying your hoover or your dustpan and brush, you can include those things. Those are generally going to be browns. So I've already mentioned paper, paper and cardboard. Now that's definitely going to be browns and that includes things like pizza boxes and paper towels napkins all that kind of thing the only thing to avoid would be glossy papers so magazines and anything like business cards that are glossy anything like that you probably don't want to compost because that contains quite a lot of man-made plasticky type material which isn't going to break down any kind of milk and that includes coconut milk and almond milk. That's all going to be fine to include in your compost. That would count as a green. Any kind of loose leaf tea. You can include some tea bags, but you need to check. Some tea bags are compostable and some are not. You will need to check the actual tea bag packaging to see what they're made of. If they're made of a hemp or a cotton or a natural material, then they can be 
composted. But if they're made of rayon or some other kind of synthetic material, then you're not going to be able to compost the bags. But you can always open them up and throw the leaves in. The leaves are going to be fine. And that would be a brown, as are coffee filters. Just the filters, the paper filters. The coffee grounds themselves, they would count as a green. So they can go in and they're a great source of nitrogen so they're something that you could go out of your way to collect from coffee shops and things like that fruit and vegetable scraps obviously they're the most obvious inclusion and they're going to be a green but also we can include eggshells eggshells would be a brown there's one thing to consider all the time that we're putting this in is just the rate at which things are going to break down and if you can crush things or snap things or shred things to make them smaller then that's all going to help so we can use just general common sense to know that an eggshell isn't going to break down as quickly as salad leaves so we're going to want to crush our eggshells up nice and finely to help them break down that little bit quicker now if you're lucky and you've got the space then you might include eggshells in a second compost of things that's going to break down much slower so bigger twigs and things from your garden that aren't going to break down quite as quickly as your grass clippings, all those kind of things. And things like hair, if you've had your hair cut at home, then your hair can go in the compost pile, but we would put that in a slower compostable pile, if you like. You can use all of your stale bread, pita breads, potatoes, chips, all those kind of things. They would count as a brown and any kind of crackers or cereals or anything like that can all be composted. It's difficult to think of anything within your kitchen that can't be composted that's not packaging. Things like nutshells can be composted. The only thing to think about is that walnut shells, you don't want to add too many of them if you're going to be making lots of them you want to spread out how many you add to your compost at any one time because they actually contain a toxicity to some plants so tomatoes will struggle if you've got a lot of walnut shells in your compost uh, seaweed is a great addition to your compost pile and that's another green any kind of herbs and spices even sweets, energy bars, anything you're going to eat literally can all go into your compost piles. Things that you're not going to eat that you can also include would be, you know, the, the pits of fruits and pumpkin seeds and egg cartons, that the cardboard ones, wine corks, even food that's gone off, mouldy cheese or anything that's gone stale, including wine and beer and all those kind of things they can all go in if you've got bamboo skewers anything like that anything that comes from an organic source it can all go into your compost things even from your bathroom so used tissues from you know wiping your face or whatever it might be hair from your hairbrush all the the hair trimmings the the paper rolls from inside your loo rolls nail clippings, cotton balls, all these things can all go into your 
compost bin you can of course all also include things like sanitary pads and tampons so long as they are 100% cotton they can all go in if you're like I am thinking of including a compost loo then you'll already know that we can compost human waste and any kind of waste from a carnivore is something that you're going to want to compost over a longer period of time so if you're going to be composting things like urine or feces or anything from a carnivore so that includes manure then you're going to want to be having a separate compost bin and you're going to want to allow that two to three years really to break down to allow those pathogens to break down over a much longer period of time but there's absolutely no reason that you can't compost it there are things all around your house that come from these organic sources and that's really how you want to think about it if it comes from an organic source so i'm talking you know pencil shavings and sticky note you know post-it notes all these things can be composted so it's really difficult to think of things that you can't compost that aren't quite obvious you know your plastics metals glass these things you want to keep out of your compost bin and whenever i'm thinking and talking about compost i i want to sing that song from the lion king <laughs> the circle of life song from the start where he holds simba up in the air because it really is a circle of life thing it's we, we're taking literally dead things we're taking things that have died and we're taking the byproducts of life and we are allowing them to decay we are encouraging the decay and from that decay we are creating rebirth we are creating life back within our garden and without this circle of life there would be no life on the planet so composting is just it's it's so important it's far more than just a way of creating amazing fertilizer it's a vital and sustainable part of the cycle of life on this planet and so much of this material that we are going to be recycling in our homes we're, we're saving it from going to landfill now i understand in your question mike that it sounds like the danish government is at least doing something positive with it they're using it to make some kind of biogas and that's fantastic but generally speaking the organic matter that goes to landfill is going to end up decomposing anaerobically which is you know without oxygen and it's a process very different to the one we would use in our gardens and it creates an awful lot of methane which is you know a greenhouse gas which is super super potent and far more dangerous than carbon dioxide at warming the planet there's a report according to the american epa that the third largest source of methane emissions in the u.s is landfills so we there's just far too many reasons that we should be composting to list and no reasons not to so hopefully mike i've covered everything you were hoping i was going to cover but if you feel like i've missed anything then don't be shy and get in touch and let me know but hopefully i've given you enough there to understand exactly what it is you should be composting and putting in your compost and hopefully at least a few people will listen to this episode and maybe 
increase the amount they're composting maybe think i need to include some composting areas even if you don't create enough space in your garden to use all the compost you can always give it away so it's a vital thing that we should be doing even if we don't need all this amazing product that it creates then it's still something that's worth doing so that wraps us up for today i hope that you've found that interesting everyone and i will be back on monday speak to you soon if you find this podcast valuable there's several ways you can support it. The easiest of which is to rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts. You could also talk about it or share it wherever you post online, including your social media pages. And now you can support the podcast directly by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. See you soon.